This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Sir Edward Talk, Rex Roundtables, joining us on the show. It's a pleasure to have you on and to see you visually and not just audioly, if that's a word. How you doing? Good to see you, buddy. Doing great, Pete. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, big fan of everything you guys do uh, and, and happy to share what everything's going on in Rex Roundtables world right now. Awesome. So 2020 must have been, you know, you're like, a, you know, like the behind the scenes coach and, and a, a facilitator of, uh, of CEOs sharing best practices. So without depressing us too much, tell us how your 2020 went, Edward. <laughs> well, Pete, nobody calls me Edward except my mom, which is angry at me. So let's go to Dude, Eddie. Oh, my God. That's when my, my mom calls me Peter when, <laughs> when she's mad at me. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to call you Eddie. Uh, but uh, but but we'll uh, we'll keep that in. We're not editing anything out. So um, no, tell me how how 2020 went. And you know you you obviously were you know somewhat of a lifeboat and a confidant to a lot of the top operators in the space. So you know give us some of your like key takeaways and you know how we're going to come out of it stronger. Well, you know it's, you know, it was interesting that you know when when everything started falling apart. Uh, back in March, everybody, you know, nobody knew what the future was going to hold. And all of us that thought we had the answers thought, oh, this will be over in a month or two. You know, so I sat down with Brent Darden, who's, you know, now the interim CEO of Ursa and, and runs four of my Rex roundtables. And we said, OK, what are we going to do? You know, we can either back off, give everybody some space, or we decided, no, we're going to give them 300% more support than they ever had and really go at it and make sure everybody comes, not just comes at us and survives, but comes at us in a really good way. So, you know, we, we pivoted pretty quick. Um, you know, usually we meet traditionally three times a year for three days in person and, uh, you know, conference calls and things in between the meetings. We switched immediately to weekly Zoom calls of like 90 minutes per group, you know, with a dozen rounds. Oh, wow. Yeah, just here in the U.S., it was a big switch. And, you know, as stuff was happening, we were trying to stay ahead of it. And, uh, you know, Blair McKinney probably said it the best uh, from MXM, and he's one of our roundtables for 16 years. He said the speed of information, the speed of learning that happened in the first three months of our shutdown was like nothing, you know, anybody's ever seen before. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and part of that's because, you know, we've got great entrepreneurs that were helping each other out and sharing. And I was on every single Zoom call on every round table. So if, you know, if, if one group had a, uh, a million dollar nugget, we'd get it to everybody within two days. Mm-hmm. And so we became, you know, I don't wanna say the lifeboat, but we, you know, our goal was to support everybody, um, to do what we can to get them, not just to come out of this, but to really uh, help them with any roadblocks they're dealing with to get better organized. You know, I helped organize most of the state alliances you saw, uh, you know, cause I know everybody would just, just to connect them and help them get off the ground. Um, you know, yeah, I feel like, do you think that's something, you know, that, that, that was a great, great effort on your end. And, and obviously, you know, did, there were some serious in, impact, you know, in a relatively short period of time, you know, to get to essential or to least lobby to the point where, it was deemed essential, at least by the people in the room that were making those decisions. Do you view our industry has always been good at sharing best practices, uh, but it's usually sharing best practices 
when I don't compete against you. Uh, and I know like the Rex Roundtable is somewhat set up, you know, strategically like that. And the alliances kind of actually brought everyone together and say, hey, we've got to we've got to protect our, our turf here together. Do you think a, 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 a result of that is potentially more local collaboration? Um, or do you think it's like, hey, we've got like a special teams uh, alliance set up for future crises? Well, I think it's it's great to see the industry coming together in a stronger way. I still think we've got a long way to go outside the traditional for-profit clubs to really uh, really make an impact on the national and the state levels with all the one with the media and two with the legislation that's out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you look at the big picture, you know, depending on the market, we were at 20, 22% market penetration. Now, but that also meant 80% of that market didn't care about us. Right. So that's kind of why we were behind the eight ball a little on uh, on being recognized as essential and vital. And, um, you know, probably 60, 70% of any area goes to a restaurant. We wish 60% went to a gym or, or a health club. So that's part of our challenge that I think Brent has done an amazing job at us and the progress he's made in the last couple of months with all the headlight teams of, so many, I think that's where I see the cooperation, Pete, at a high level. He's got about a dozen headlight teams that have come together to focus on different areas, which have just, uh, you know, it never happened before. And, and that, to Brent's credit, you know, he's gone out and said, okay, I may not be the expert in this one area, but let me go find the 10 experts that are that can mm-hmm. help and share and move the industry forward. Um, you know, it's always been interesting. The word best practices is used a lot, but if you really look at it, and, and although we share best practices within the Rex roundtables, I always look at it and say, well, best practices is really what worked yesterday. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's going to work tomorrow. Right, right. It doesn't mean it's going to work in the future. And that's where we've always had that philosophy of, uh, you know, great ideas don't equal great results. And what I've seen happen in roundtables now and even before now is that you can get great ideas in any, you know, any article, any magazine, any conference in any industry, but to get results out of that, that's a different level of execution and accountability. And that's where I know the Rex Roundtables has made a difference for club operators and owners. And I think the state alliances now, yeah, we need them uh, going mm-hmm. forward. And we need every state to mobilize and have a bigger voice at their state level. Um, yeah. was a, uh- Somebody said, oh, this person is a great thought leader. I'm like, let me meet the action leader and not the thought leader. Um, That might be the person that actually is the one that moves the needle. Um, You know, as you think about this, you know, it's definitely somewhat of a wake up call, not only just from a lobbying standpoint and getting our voices heard, but also, you know, we're not necessarily competing against ourselves anymore. And all these venture capital backed concepts that, you know, are basically don't have any constraints on use of capital for marketing purposes. Um, you know, now basically becoming our competitor, which, you know, we used to compete based on, Hey, I got a new line of equipment. You can bring a friend, you know, I got a great instructors, you know, you could get this add on with the massage and so on and so forth. So do you feel like the next generation of, of the health clubs and the fitness studios this might've been a lesson. Unfortunately it happened because of this reason, 
to say, hey, look, the level of innovation that people are going to expect, like we need to actually punch at that level because what we're sell- what we were selling before the industry is already ahead of that now. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I, I Yeah, I, I definitely agree that, look, the clubs and the studios in the future are, are not going to resemble necessarily what we had two years ago. And I think if you go back in, in fitness history, go back to the planet fitness coming uh, through New England originally, and everybody was so uh, dismissive of it when they first came out. Said, oh, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they did is they woke up the consumer to say, you know, hey, I'll give you the, the same no service that the $80 a month club is going to give you. I'm just not going to charge you 80 bucks. I'll charge you 10. And, and nobody thought it would work. The reality is you got to pay attention more to the consumers and how they want fitness delivered. And I think this is the next wake up call, which is, you know, consumers are consuming fitness virtually, digitally, um, outdoors. Uh, they, they're doing a lot of different things. And it doesn't mean that we have to uh, be fearful of all that. We have to embrace it and say, you know, how do we partner with different aspects of the industry to deliver the best for our consumers in our market? And who are our future consumers? Are they the same ones we had two years ago? And in a lot of markets, the answer is no. You know, you got a lot of metro markets where, you know, they're not going back to work uh, in the cities, not just in the next couple of months, but maybe ever at the same level that they did two years ago. A lot of companies are figuring out they can cut expenses, have less office space, et cetera. And, and that's going to change. Yeah. In uh, New York City, I, I read a couple of articles about office building owners just turning them into residential uh, and, and basically not waiting for the potential reemergence of, of, of urban work. When you take a look at you make a good point of the, the the health club from two years ago or from a year ago is not necessarily going to be the club that people go to, you know, some companies say, Hey, I'm a lifestyle, you know, and I see people walking around with an Equinox shirt or see people walking around with a Peloton shirt or Barry's Boot Camp, you know, or CrossFit, you know, they actually, if you said to them, as we get off of this political campaign, like there's not many people that you go up to and say, Hey, tell me about yourself. And you'd be like, Oh, I'm a Republican or I'm Democratic. And I, you know, they say like, hey, I do Orange Theory. Hey, I do CrossFit. Hey, I belong to Equinox. You know, hey, I got a wife. I got a kid. You know, it's like one of the top five things they talk about is their fitness routine. And that might be inside or outside of a club. So do we need to maybe change the lens of how we think about the business that we're in? And as someone who becomes a member of my club, that might be the equivalent of the member of my fraternity or it might be that you know going back to like a member of a religious organization like whatever you need that's within my sphere of influence i'm going to be the authority on that and just like you talk about brent and you kind of going out we're going to find the experts hey you need help with nutrition hey you need help with prenatal postnatal like that's who you we you come to us and we will direct you or we will provide that service i feel like some of the clubs and I mean, I've probably been at fault on my own about thinking about some of the investments we've made. We've, we've waited for someone to come in to the four walls and that's when the relationship starts. And then a pretty timid excuse is like, yeah, we send those people emails. It's like, yeah, so do a thousand other people. Right. It's like that's not, you don't build a relationship, you know, by autoresponders. Uh, yeah, no, I agree hundred I mean, percent. We've actually had this conversation in the round tables two or three years ago 
about the club becoming the lifestyle choice, the wellness choice, the third place in your life for, for many people and becoming the expert or the, or the resource really for all the different things they need in their lifestyle. Um, you know, becoming a better resource for, you know, how you should eat, what you should eat. Um, you know, which we all know that's the bigger part of being healthy, not just exercise. You need both. Sure. And, and also, you know, coming out of this, it's really made us focus more on mental health, and, you know, meditation and, and, you know, how do you deal with all the stress going forward? Some of the clubs are pivoting and saying, you know, what can we do to help the young kids with learning? I mean, this remote learning is just killing the kids socially and, and you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not healthy for anybody long term. Can you imagine if you were like 12, 13 years old and, and had to live through this? I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure how I, it would have transpired. I mean, I used to get trouble. I used to get in trouble like when I was home for like an hour. <laughs> and I can't imagine if I was home for like a year. No, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's tough on the kids. You know, like, like my son's a college sophomore and I told him, you know, let's, I said, you're going back to school. And he did. And, but by the time he was, came home for Thanksgiving, 90% of his classes were online. So he was on college campus, but you know, his classes were online. He's in his dorm doing it. And my daughter's a high school senior. So, I, like, so we did five college visits before everything shut down. Yeah. So here it is, you know, most kids apply to 15, 20 schools and you, they want to go see them, and they have to do virtual tours for high school seniors. And seniors, you know, you're supposed to be like the, the prime of your life, a lot of fun. Yeah. And she's been 100% uh, virtual, which is crazy. Yeah. And, and you look at where can the health club fit into this whole thing and, and become a really strong resource. We think that's where changing the model. So we've been – Strongly recommending all the Rex Roundtable members to change their model coming at us. Think differently. Don't say, I can't wait for the freezes and cancels to come back when the vaccine and who knows what else is going to help them come back in. It's, okay, here's my top line revenue number now or what I think it's going to be this year. Let me take my fixed expenses out of it. What can I renegotiate on a lot of those fixed? And then go through and say, what payroll do I need for what programs? And then put in a small 5% net for the first year and go, okay, there's my new business. And if they're not thinking like that, you know, if they just cut expenses to cut, I get it, that's part of it, but that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. You gotta think differently coming out of this. You know, in 2008, the businesses had three choices when the recession hit. And if you look at the research that was done outside of our industry, they gave three examples. They said there was the ostrich that stuck their head in the sand and said, oh, it's all gonna go back to normal, I'm not gonna do anything. There was the bull in the china shop that just blatantly cut 30% just to cut, but didn't look at how it affects the customers. And they lost even more because the customers got a worse experience. But then they talked about the Fox who was cunning, made cuts, but made cuts that didn't affect customer experience or change the customer experience. And I think we got to go back to that. Um, you know, we got to adjust the model and say, from the consumer's point of view, um, how do we give them better results? And not just physically, but mentally, mm-hmm. emotionally, you know, psychologically. We got to think differently. There's opportunities out there. And you know, from PE money, there's money, tons of money being put into things like meditation and other things that are outside of physical exercise in, in the wellness fields. Yeah. I mean, um, it's interesting for people to try and reinvent who they are and they're sitting on a member base that if they don't just email them, but actually sit down and talk to them, 
they'll find out what people want. And then you can basically recraft your business model based on, I was thinking the other day, someone's like, why is a health club not a co-op, right? Why isn't it like a, like a country club where the, like the members own the club? I'm like, well, cause it's for profit and you know, the entrepreneur set up the club and then the people came. It's not like the people came and said, Hey, let's go build, you know, right. a JCC or let's go build a YMCA. So it kind of came from a for-profit direction, but at the end of the day, like your only asset besides your equipment and some locker room tiles is your member base. Like that's your asset. So when you look and say, all right, what does my asset want to do? Instead of what do I want to do? What does my asset need from me? Cause they are, they, they, they are the ones that should be making the decisions. And you're almost like, you're a facilitator of, of knowledge and executives. And all those executives are a facilitator of members and, right. and, and, and employees who are basically, you know, on a baseball team, like you got fans and you got players. Like my employees are, are my professional players, you know, and treat them as such. I, I, it's interesting that some people are saying, Hey, I'm going to change my, my business model. I'm going to raise my prices. It's like, well, find out what, what people want from you and what results they want to get. And I used to spend a lot of money at soul cycle. And every time I walked in there, no one ever asked me said, Hey Pete, I know you're paying like $37 a class. Like what are you trying to achieve today? How can I help you get your results? And I feel like somehow we lost that simple question. Um, and it seems like you and Brent and the whole Rex Roundtable are trying to say, Hey, think differently, but also think, about what people might demand from you and ask them what they demand. Right. And I, I, and I totally agree with that. I think, you know, you think back the core of this industry, um, it, some parts of the core of the industry was all based on results, but as an industry, we haven't been great at delivering results, not right. to everybody, you know, it's a small percentage. Yeah. Um, but I think part of it is you got to learn to listen to the voice of the customer. You know, I've learned a lot the last couple of years, you know, with Blair McKinney owning uh, MS Metrics, which is basically Medallia. And you look at what, you know, Medallia's got the science behind it. You know, if you get a survey from American Express or Delta or Toyota or, or any of the car deals, it's all Medallia-backed science. And so they listen to the customer. And based on that, you know, we got to think differently because as an industry, there's a lot of bigger industries, more money, more resources, using a tool like that to listen to the customer and then right. make decisions based on that. As an industry, we haven't adapted that philosophy yet of really listening to the customer. Um, I think we're starting to, and some of the smarter operators, you know, we probably have 60, 70% of the Rex members using Medallia, um, mm-hmm. using MXM metrics. But uh, yeah, but that's in Rex. That's not the whole industry. You know, right. Equinox uses them and a few other, you know, big players too. But it's about listening to the customer and, and adjusting off that. Not saying, "Oh, screw you, we're doing this way, this you know, in, in my way," because it's my club as the owner. That's really short-sighted. You know, that's like the old bodybuilding guys that would say, "Well, no, we're gonna, you know, this is what I want. I'm not putting in group X." <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. So, so uh, b- before we 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 close out here, a lot of the 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 clubs and the executives that attend the Rex roundtables are multi-sport operators that have pretty big facilities and campuses and have the ability to kind of repurpose that square footage. Um, and also I think less people are going to be going on ski trips and less people are going to be going to exotic countries that they don't know what the COVID 
you know, situation or the safeties are. So do you feel like there's potentially without better terms, like a Renaissance period, almost coming back to like these multi-sport facilities actually could become what a country club was to our parents or what, you know, a summer camp was where you come here and basically whatever you want to do, I can accommodate that because I have the square footage. I'm not a studio where I got 3000 square feet. I'm not just got cardio equipment, but I'm actually like a real destination. The people that work at home, this might be the only other place that they really go because they're actually not going to work anymore. Totally agree. Yeah. We talked about, you know, that, that staycation, you know, you're not jumping on the, the plane as much or going on those trips and that staycation, you know, staying at home, uh, the, the health club could be a really big resource. And, you know, we've got a variety of clubs. We have, you know, some of X members that have a dozen clubs, multi-purpose, uh, but we've got the fitness only models, even all the way down, you know, the fitness only models can also adjust. It's just a different adjustment. You may not have a bit, have a big campus without the pools and tennis, but you've got the ability to do wellness classes, to do meditation, to do other stuff, um, to do cooking classes, to bring things in from the outside that maybe you wouldn't have thought of five years ago. And, yep. you know, and, and I agree with you. You know, now with everybody on a Zoom call, you're working from home. You know, your kids are at home. You know, you're home all the time. And and some people, even the ones that are exercising at home, we we think that, you know, once we open up a little bit more, and people feel more comfortable, there's going to be an explosion of people that want to go into clubs just to get out of the house. Right. You know? And they want it safe and they want it clean and they want it local uh, and, and and familiar faces. So, and, so yeah, and, yeah. No, I was going to say, here's the ironic part is that, you know, yeah. before the pandemic hit, clubs are one of the cleanest places around. Right. Right. Because of the way that the building codes are and, and the way they're built and everything else. Um, yeah, it was interesting. So, so we usually leave on a, uh, on a quote. So you got a famous, uh, favorite quote that, that you like to, uh, to launch out or someone's like, Hey, the head says that one all the time. <laughs> no, I, I got one. I use this past. So we try and uh, use one every week or two with the, with the, uh, round table guys. Uh, we use one from Peter Drucker recently. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he's brilliant man, you know, manage, management leader, uh, talked about the entrepreneur always searches for change responds to it and exploits it as an opportunity. And, you know, we think that when, look, the only thing guaranteed in life is death and change. That's it. It's always been that way. we got bigger changes going on and we just got to take a deep breath, not panic, you know, figure this out. Look, we've started two new roundtables since March, since shutdown. Mm-hmm. That are full of really good entrepreneurs. And we're talking about even uh, growing another roundtable pretty soon. But as long as you open the change, and willing to learn, you can, you're going to make, you're not just make it, you're going to do well coming out. Yeah. You know, when you're growing up, you know, when you're, uh, when you're playing a sport, I know you're a big baseball guy, but you know, when you're playing the top team in your division, you know, that challenge like fires you up. And I feel like people need to look at, look back to like their, their athletic side and say, Hey, look, you know, we got the best team coming in, whether that's, you know, a big digital company, that has got a billion dollars that they're going to, bring at us or some competitor opens up and you know when you're in the trenches as an athlete you respond to that and i think the entrepreneurs also respond to that when they understand that we're playing a different game i I agree with you i think the entrepreneurs are at different levels all competitive yeah they all want to succeed a lot of them were athletes in their younger lives and and uh they don't give up that easy that's why they do what they do 
Right. Yeah. All right. Well, you're you're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Gallon's an entrepreneur. So <laughs> we'll have a fourth at everyone who's listening to the podcast. So Eddie, great to see you again. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I know you're extremely busy. What you're doing is uh, probably helping even way more people than you know, uh, because the knowledge that comes out of Rex Roundtable, I think, is kind of you know somewhat of a uh, a faucet of information that kind of gets sprinkled down. So. Keep up the good work. We look forward to working with you in 2021, hanging out in person. I think I owe you an Italian dinner uh, <laughs> in and a glass of wine, and maybe uh, maybe we'll get a workout in together as well. So I know. So I just got I got one last thing I just want to throw in. If it's okay, far away. Okay, so uh, starting next week, well, starting January 27th, um, Rex and Ursa are partnering on a new talk show that Brent Darden, Bill McBride. Uh, Brandon McKinney and Sarah Cooperman are going to do once a month. Oh, nice. And it's going to be, going to be more of a news show, kind of like watching ESPN. It's oh, not it's going to be, be video. Web, not, yeah, it's not going to be a webinar on one topic. It's going to be, here's the latest news, and here's how you're going to take this and run with it and learn from it, which is pretty cool. And then the other part is that Rex and Ursula are partnering at a deeper level to open up roundtables to the entire industry. Oh, perfect. And All right. Something that is going to be... Uh, publicly announced shortly but i want to let you go, let you in on the inside as a good friend i i just let the secret out all right well this is breaking news man i'm feel like wolf blitzer right now can we congratulations <laughs> Pete, i think this is our first exclusive man <laughs> yeah it might be it might be you better get this out before anybody else knows so tell our editor that we got to get it up next week all right man well good congrats on the progress keep up the good work and shows that uh you know, you become a resource for people and, and over time, you know, it, it pays off and regardless of what the circumstance is. So spread the kindness and information and it comes back to you in spades. So good to see you, man. Glad Thanks. You're Thanks. Healthy and well. All right. Man. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Appreciate everything you guys do. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Take care, man. Bye. As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, want to offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com, put your email address into the pop-up box, see how it works, get a free $10 gift card from us, and uh, keep listening and making everybody great.